Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Us Irish, we love to talk and no one talks like the Irish. No one has as much vocabulary or as many different accents as we do. Nowhere else in the world can you travel five miles down the road and get a completely different accent and 15 completely new words. We say drunk in many different ways and we say go out and get the shift in many, many other different ways. And we love conversations. This podcast, Tis Yourself, is dedicated to conversations with some of the most famous people and most well-known people around. Whether they're from this little island or from abroad, I chat to them in our unique Irish way to get the conversation going and find the person behind the public persona. This is Tis Yourself. How's it going, pal? Any crack? I'd murder about pens. Ah, lads, I'm in a bleeding bojangle. Ah, Jesus. Are you messing? Get up out of that. He's some dose. He's bleeding massive. Some shaber. Ah, there. Did you man? there and welcome back to Tis Yourself. If this is your first time, thanks so much for pressing play on wherever it is, Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever it is, and for choosing my little podcast. My name is Nicola Barden and I'm the presenter of this wee little chat here. And this is season three, episode two. So if you haven't listened before, please do go back and find a lovely little episode that you might enjoy. For all my regular listeners, thanks a million for tuning back in again. And this time we have a great chat lined up and it seems um, kind of timely and wasn't meant to be like this, but it centres a lot around women and International Women's Day, of course, is on Tuesday. Now, that wasn't the plan. It was I spoke to my guest a couple of weeks ago and had no idea what date this was going to go out. So this is all just, I suppose, a timely thing. And I look forward to hear what you all think about the chat. So last week we kicked off the season with Sarah Jane Dunn from Hollyoaks and that has just done amazing and thanks to everyone who has listened so far and if you haven't please do go back and listen. Very, very inspirational kind of chat about standing up for yourself in the workplace and not letting your bosses control what you do on the outside. And Sarah Jane has been, you know, she shared a lot and we got loads of listens and stuff like that. It actually has overtaken the Peaky Blinders episode which I'm so surprised by. Uh, that's been doing amazing talking to Packy Lee who's uh, Johnny Dogs in Peaky Blinders and obviously Peaky is the hot trend at the moment obsessed I am loved the episode on Sunday cannot wait for the next episode but yes obviously people had a hunger for hearing why Sarah Jane left the show and how much of it was her decision, how much was the show's decision. So yeah, if you haven't listened, that's a great one to go back to. And of course, if you're a Peaky fan, please listen to Packy's episode. There's so much chat there, all about Killian, 
all about Helen. So, so much there. But anyway, my next guest today, Tommy Fleming. What a legend in Irish circles. He is a singer. He is a reality star. He's done so much. And yet he still finds the time to go and muck out at the family farm. So that for me shows there ain't no ego there. As I mentioned, we chat a lot about women, the women in his life, the women that surround him and a lot about respect and how his he'll never let an ego overshadow him, how he wants everything, to, he wants to be treated equal. And that is really, really important, I suppose, especially in this industry. So I hope you enjoy and please, please share if you do. This is my chat on Tis Yourself with Tommy Fleming. Hi, Tommy. Hello. Hi, Nicola. How are you? I'm good. You're uh, celebrating 30 years in music, I believe. You know, every time somebody says it, even though the more somebody says it, the worse it sounds. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm celebrating 30 years. Uh, my first recordings were in 1991. Um, and if I really went back, my li- when I first did live work mm. was in when I was 15. Um, so I suppose I'm celebrating maybe 35, 36 years. But I, I'm kind of basing it on when I first did recordings. So, like, from what I can tell, the music industry isn't that easy to get into um, and to especially to have a career going as long as yours. So, like, take me back, like, young Tommy, was he dreaming of being a singer? Was he, what was he thinking back in the day? Old Tommy and young Tommy still dreams. Um, (laughs) I, you know what, when I started out, the one thing that I discovered I suppose as a teenager was this was easy money because I was doing gigs in pubs. So in the summer, especially and the Christmas times, I was I would be able to work on a Friday, Saturday, maybe Thursday, Friday and Saturday and Sunday night and make more in those four days than my friends were making in the month, working in a supermarket or working wherever. And <clears throat> so I kind of discovered that very quickly and I had the weeks to myself then. Um, I was a dreamer. Absolutely. I um I had, I, I'd even go as far as to say I was a fantasist. <laughs> um, I knew what I wanted. Um, I always had the eye on the prize, more so in my 20s, mm. when I kind of really kind of made, an, I made a, a kind of approach to this is what I wanted to do. Um, and I was very lucky in the sense that I left school when I was 18. I dipped in and out of college, didn't do really do anything in school. Um, and then I started doing kind of session work, um, backing vocals for people on albums. Then I was 21 when Phil Coulter met me or heard me and invited me to go on, on the road with him. So I kind of got breaks very quickly Ooh. and very, I would say very easily. I have to say doors were opened quite easily for me. Because it's a big difference from doing the pub gigs to going on tour, like with Phil, like that's that's a huge leap, like in comparison to, you know, as you said, a few weekend gigs, just loving the money. Absolutely. I mean, I worked with different bands, like even when I was in school, I was in Leaving Cert and I had a, I was in a rock band called The Face of February. Um, and I was doing songs like Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen, if you can believe that. A sweet child of mine, Guns and Roses, hmm. all of that. But I was always a folky kind of ballady trad man at, at heart because that's what I was brought up on. That was the, the diet of music that really was the core of my home and my family. Um, but yeah, the big leap was for me going from, you know, doing pubs 
and clinking of glasses, smoke-filled rooms, um, which you would frown on now, but you didn't even bat an eyelid then. Um, and then you went from that to standing on stage in front of two, 3,000 people in Carnegie Hall in New York, um, absolutely scared, there's brick in it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a kind of it was a baptism of fire to a degree, um, but a really a great one. Um, and then I went from I went from working with Phil to I came back from a tour in America and I joined Daydanen in '93, mm. and that kind of was a complete opposite to what Phil was. You know, it, it was very um, structured and very uh, professional with Phil, um, whereas Daydanen was very loose. I wouldn't say it was unprofessional, but it was, you know, you'd walk in, there was no rehearsals. You just, you flew by the seat of your pants, which I found a little bit hard to do because I need to be, I need to be structured all the time and a bit more organized, you know, so I kind of, I ended up getting the best of both worlds in that sense. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up making my own path, really, if, if that makes sense. I kind of, did, you know, I knew what I wanted to do. I worked with great people over the years, like in the early years, like working with Mary Black, Christy Moore, all of those, or Christy Hennessy, rather, all of those people. Um, and then now, over the last few years, the last 10 years, working with Elaine Page, Kenny Rogers, Vince Gill. Yeah, I've had, I've, I've, been, re I've been really, really lucky and I've been blessed, really. You probably learned something from each of those scenarios with Phil and then with Dan and like there's different things you took from them to help your what you wanted like on your own then. Oh, completely. Um, you know, I didn't. I took snippets, if that's the right word. Um, I took bits of everything that I worked with everyone and then I kind of put it into my own my own cake <laughs> to make it my own kind of way of doing it and over the years I've kind of developed but there's still lessons that Phil taught me as a 21 year old that I still apply to my career now nearly as a 51 year old you know and like you he obviously started kickstarted things off very hugely for you do you now look at younger musicians and stuff and have you taken, you know, kind of taken them under your wing? Have you brought people on tour? Do you're like, I like the sound of them just to kind of pay it forward a bit? I'd never I would never say I've taken anybody under my wing because they don't need to be under a wing. Mm. You know, um, I didn't go under Phil's wing. I was kind of thrown into it and I had to learn. And right. if I fucked up, oh, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, you if can I curse, had, it's fine. <laughs> okay, if I fucked up, then I did, you know, and I, I got the, I got, I got punished, not punished, but I got, I got my arse kicked for it, you know. Um, whereas now with, I don't do that. What I do is, like, for example, on the new album, I heard a singer from Donegal by the name of Jermith McGee. Jermith is what, 28? And I heard him on Facebook um, with three other lads singing the Ultra Triangle. And his voice blew me away. So I started following him and just to see what, you know, and then I made contact and it was really funny. And I find this, all, I still find this very strange. Like he said, I sent a message that hi, Tommy Fleming here, listened to your voice, love it. You know, would you be interested in doing some work? He didn't believe it was me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I find it funny because I find it, why wouldn't it be me? Do you know what I mean? I don't, um, look, I do a job. I put my trousers on one leg at a time, like everybody else in the morning. I don't, I'm no better, no worse, or no, and no different than anybody mm. else. I just do a job that might be a little bit different sometimes. But Jermith came back to me and I started working with him. And he's like, I told him to stop after a while because it was a case of, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this with Tommy Fleming. It's like, okay, stop. 
you're doing with somebody that's just as you're as good as me. I'm as good as you. Let's just work together. That's why you're here. Um, that's kind of what that's kind of what I took from it. It's, I suppose he probably thought he'd have to go through an agent and, you know, a manager and your entourage to get to you. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, Avil will tell you that. I don't do. Um, I never did that. I did. Sorry, that's a lie. I had a lot of that in the very early days. And it's I would call a lot of that bullshit. Um, I don't like Tina and I, Tina's my wife, but also my manager. Um, and we, we separate both of those things very, very, very cleverly and very well. But we run the entire ship ourselves. So I don't have a boss. I, I'm Tina doesn't have a boss. We run it together. However, we we kind of have the production company, which is the promoter, the management, the agent. So we do everything ourselves. We're not looking. We're not paying percentages out to everybody. Now we do that. It's, it's we don't do that in, in Australia, or we don't do that in America. We have an agent in all of those because you need it. Obviously, mm. you need somebody on the ground. But we run it very. There's no entourage. There's no. Um, there's no assistance. There's none of that nonsense. When I arrive in Australia, um, my mate collects me. Um, he sorts out my car for me that I drive. And I just go off and I do my, I don't have a, somebody driving me to radio stations or anything like that. I just, I, the last car I had was a Ford Focus in Australia. And I was going and it was like a 2006 Ford Focus. And there was a few bangs on it here and there. And I turn up to radio stations and they were looking at me going, you don't have anybody with you. No, this is just me. <laughs> and I much, Nicola, honestly, I prefer it like that. I have to say that's a breath of fresh air because working in the media for such a long time, there's people that like I would know and, you know, be I'd have their phone number and I could text them. And then they'd be like, you just have to go through my agent to go through my manager to go through my blood. And I'm like, I, I could literally call you right now and we could just bash this out like five seconds. Yeah. And it's just like... You know, I'd hate to have to answer to 27 people before I could say, yes, I agree. You know, that way. Yeah, but there's too many opinions then, in my opinion. Uh, that's that's a lot of opinions. <laughs> there's too many, you know, there's, um, you know, I, I'm very much, I, I dance to the beat of my own drum. Um, and I find it very difficult for somebody to tell me what to do. Um, mm. I listen to advice, don't get me wrong, I'm not... I don't, uh, I listen to advice. I take criticism, very, very good. I take constructive criticism. I don't take nasty criticism very well. I don't think anybody does. Um, but I don't, um, I don't see the purpose, especially in a country as small as ours, the purpose of speak to my agent or speak to my manager. I, I don't get that. You know, I don't, I still don't get the fact that you walk into some hotels and they want to carry your bag up to the room. I don't get that either. You know, I... <laughs> I, I I don't get the fact that, you know, you're, you're getting into a car outside your hotel and they, there's a doorman opening the door for you. I, that's, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I grew up in a small village on a farm. That's not how I was brought up. That's not what comes naturally to me. Um, I just kind of, you know, I carry my own bag. Thanks very much. If I have too many bags, I appreciate the help. But that's, you know, it's, it's yeah, at the end of the day, <clears throat> You do your job. I do my job. Um, they're all different, um, but they're known. We're, we're, but we're no different, if that mean, makes sense. The job is different, but we're no different. I think that must come from your upbringing because, you know, there are people out there with egos. And as you say, we're this country is too small to have an ego in. Like, OK, will, will let Bono have his ego, maybe? Right. <laughs> you know, he's, he's done a lot. But in yeah. the same sense, you could run into Bono down in Tesco. So, like, this country is too small for 
walking around with an ego. That's like my opinion. And that's why I love meeting Irish famous people who don't have that. They remember, like you said, I grew up on a farm. I was, you know, yeah. slogging who <laughs> all around the place or whatever it was. But I mean, I still go up to my home place and I still go out and I shovel out and all of that sort of stuff. And it's maybe I do it deliberately to ground myself or to, but I don't actually, because I just love being up at the farm. I love there's a connection to my parents there. Um, and I don't have my parents anymore. Um, but I think, you know, I just, I, I find this country, you, you need an ego, don't get me wrong, Nikki, you need an ego to do what I do. Otherwise you'd never get on the stage without it. Um, but you need to be in control of that. And you need to accept that you don't believe your own PR. <laughs> <for Yeah. a> <laughs> never believe the PR, <clears throat> you know, like, a friend of mine texted me the other day and said, you know, you have a profile on Tinder. And I said, what? <laughs> you have a profile on Tinder. And I said, oh, for God's sake. So, you know, and like, I don't know, God help whoever is swiping. What, is it swipe left or right? I have no idea because I've never... Well, right if you like them. So oh, there's somebody right, swiping yeah. right so, for you. <laughs> I can't imagine somebody going, Tommy Fleming's on Tinder or whatever. <laughs> it's Tinder, not Tinder. Um, and I, I just, you know, I mean, I just find all of those things funny. Um, I find... I find the double t- the double take when you're walking down a street very funny, and yet I find it kind of uncomfortable. <clears throat> um, I find the uh, you walk by somebody in a bar and there's three or four women sitting together and they'll all go at the top of their voices, "That's Tommy Fleming," as if you can't hear them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> so that kind of thing. Whereas when I'm in Australia, which to me I call a second home. Um, you know, I meet lots of people in Australia. I met Kylie Minogue one day coming out of 2GB and radio station. And yeah. it was hilarious because she was walking out. She had this big burly yoke with her. And I was walking in the door and I said, how are you, Kylie? And I kept walking. <laughs> and she was kind of going, oh, OK. And she just said, oh, hi, as if she knew me or didn't know me. <laughs> and my mate said to me, would you not stop and get a photograph? I said, absolutely not, because I don't like when someone that's done to me. So wow. never get somebody to do something you want. <clears throat> so do you not like the fan approaches or is, does it, it's just that it makes you uncomfortable or would you rather that someone come up to you, got their photo and then left rather than stare at you and go on various or... Oh yeah. <clears throat> um, there's two things I don't like. I don't like the pulling out of you. Um, you know, the I always call it, well, it hasn't happened really in the last two years because of personal contact was reduced to zero. Um, but you know, the, um, the somebody coming over, taking you by the elbow... Right. which to me is so personal. Um, and this, that usually happens in an airport early in the morning. And one guy, a few years ago, I was on my way to Sydney and I was going via London and I was coming through the airport and this guy comes up to me, takes me by the elbow and said, I want you over here to take a photograph with my wife. I just looked at him and said, don't touch me. To which he said, you're not that big. Who do you think you are? So oh. there's a whole kind of, to which my answer was, uh, part of off, don't you understand? And I kept walking. So then, of course, <clears throat> there was a post on social media about two days later, how ignorant I was, how yeah. rude I was, blah, 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 blah. And you're not going to win. No matter how you, and you try to defend that, you're mm-hmm. not going to win. <clears throat> you know? No, you can't so, win on that. And like, you could respond and then mm-hmm. it'll just be... Well, like, open a door that I shouldn't open. Yeah, you just end up getting... Either he'll backtrack completely, or, which sometimes does happen, or it'll be... Uh, well, you were so effing rude and you were this, that and the other. And it's just like, how can I can't win this conversation? You just you, you ha- over the years, I've learned Nicola very quickly to learn to choose the battles 
very, very wisely. And in the end, as I've gotten older, there are extremely few battles because I know that most of them aren't worth fighting. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it, how when if you were in your 20s and I'd say social media was out there when you started out or, you know, younger musicians. I never never have slept. (laughs) And you'd be so insulted by everything, every single thing. Like you probably wouldn't release a song because you'd be like, you know, there's someone's going to bitch about the title or whatever. It's insane. Yeah, Yeah. And, you know, like I suppose in my 20s as well, I would have been bothered about gossip. Um because I was brought up in a house, in, my, in a home that abhorred gossip, that didn't entertain gossip. And so when you hear stuff about you that's not true, and then you you try to take that task of getting the truth out there. Mm. My mother had a great saying once, which said, she said, um, never try to do that because by the time, by the time, uh, what is it? By the, by the time you, the truth gets its runners on, the lie has made it around the world 10 times. Yeah, that is a good saying, and especially true if you're from a small rural town in Ireland. <laughs> but the Bush Telegraph, um, you know, so um, I suppose I've learned to be able to laugh at those things. I've learned to be able to poke fun at myself to a degree. I've always been able to do that, actually. That's not I've always been able to do that. I come from a family that take the piss completely out of everyone. So if you want to do that, you have to be able to take it as well. Um so yeah, um, I suppose I've I've got to the point in my life that my feet are fairly firmly on the ground, um, and I'm I'm happy where I am and who I am. If that if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, and that's all anyone wants to be in their life is happy with who they are and where they are because we're always just chasing happiness. So I suppose if you have it, you're like, why change anything? Yeah, like, you know, I I suppose I've always been uh, the type that never looked at the, green, the greener grass the other side because I was too busy mowing my own lawn, you know, mm-hmm. um, and taking care of it. So I was never, um, I was never a follower. Um, I suppose I'm not a leader either. I just, I do my own thing. And I'm very careful of the people that are always around me. Um, they're always, I, I still have great friends from school that I, that I trust opinions impeccably uh, impeccably um um you know key kieran one of my best friends that we were in primary school together all the way through secondary school uh still call each other every second day um still send th- the most inappropriate texts <laughs> 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 um, you know um so and you know he you know still if and if you're having a problem we'll always ring each other and say anything i can do even though i'm the other end of the world um yeah. You know, so I suppose it, my the one thing I've always really, really been adamant about is having the right people um, that you like, that I like, and that they, they, they're very good for you around you. And my family would be very quick to tell me if they're not. <clears throat> yeah, well, that's good. You need those people around because as we mentioned, the egos, your ego would fairly inflate if you had people oh, telling you you're fantastic all the time. I mean... Do you know it's funny when we we with the Dublin show is usually the last show of the tour, and we always have. I'm actually in the Ivy Garden at the moment, and we um, the Dublin show would be the big show. We come back to after for big after party, and it's always great friends that are here, <clears throat> but they know well enough they'll come up and say that was a great show, well done. That's all they have to say, and you say thanks. But there's a point where you you find it very hard to take the pat on the back, and there's still a part of me that feels. 
I, I'm, in, I'm, a, I'm an imposter and I'm getting away with it and I'll get caught soon. After 30 years? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, there's still times I, um, like it was really funny, actually, a few years ago, I was in um, New York and I met Barbara Streisand. Wow. And I, yeah, and it was like, hi, great to meet you. You know, um, you've, I just, it was amazing to meet the woman. And, and she's, all she did was say, um, heard a lot about you. Um, and then she made a joke and said, um, you obviously have a good voice because you and me have the same nose. <laughs> so, as you can see. <laughs> and I just, I went laughing. And normally if somebody said something to me about my nose years ago, I'd be, oh. <laughs> you know, um, and that's the kind of thing that you kind of, when you hear something like that, you go, okay. You know, maybe I'm not doing too bad. That's incredible. Like, I would let Barbara Streisand say anything to me. She could be like, <laughs> your face is actually vomit. I'd be like, oh, my God, Barbara. <laughs> what Love you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have it on my Tinder bio. <laughs> um, but it's funny. Um, that's, I kind of, you know what, as well, when when the touring finishes and I've got my my six months or five months off that I do at home, and when I say it's off, I'm in the office and I'm doing different things, but I'm off. I There's no social media. There's the odd bit that I check in now and again. Mm. <clears throat> there's no looking for approval. There's no, oh my God, look at look where, where I am today. I, I never do any of that. Um, never did, never will. Like even, I've, I always fly business class to Australia and it's, not, it's nothing to do with status or anything that, it's to do with being able to sleep for the yeah. 26 hours that you're getting there so you can hit the ground running. And... <clears throat> Uh, one, one of the girls in my daughter's class said, oh, my God, do you not take selfies and everything and put it up on social media that you're in business class? And I went, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I do that? Um, you know, um, so I suppose uh, I, I, in a nutshell, I suppose I'm, I'm kind of normal. <laughs> if, if that's a normal. No, you obviously are, because like I have been talking to people who wouldn't have gone through, wouldn't have had and much experience. You've had met people who've done played the places you've played and their egos and their, well, they're not even their ego, their, uh, their appearance of self of their, of themselves is so high up and they're, you know, they're definitely getting their selfies in business class. Even if they're not sitting in business class, they're running in, getting a selfie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. You see, I find that very, very false and very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Disingenuous is the word Mm -hmm. I'm looking for. Um, and I, I don't do that. Um, sometimes if I'm doing an interview, I find it sometimes can be very disingenuous because I can't let the the person that I am in that interview be, I can't let it be too obvious because it doesn't make the interview interesting for them. You know, you need to be, oh my God, I have this great life or I have. And that's why I don't do too many interviews. That's why I'm probably not interesting enough to do the interviews um, in that sense. And that, that, that doesn't bother me. Um, I just think... Be who you are, be true to who you are. There is an element of bullshit in, in the business that yeah. you have to embrace. You can't avoid that. Um, and but as long as you kind of keep keep your feet on the ground and your head in the air, you're okay. Well, I think the, the key thing for you, obviously, as you mentioned, is your people around you and like having your wife as your manager is two different, like her wife voice and her manager voice are probably exactly oh God. what you need to hear. <laughs> She's actually far better at separating that than me. So when she comes in with the manager hat on, 
I kind of I've I've got the half husband and half artist hat on me. So I'm getting I'm fighting back, but half of me is fighting back as a husband and half of me is fighting back as the artist. She always wins. <laughs> You're starting a row later on that day with as yeah, yeah. husband arguing with manager and she's like, it's five o'clock. Manager's done. She, actually, she, what she says is it's six o'clock. We're going to have dinner. This is over. And you're like, but I can't have this discussion until nine o'clock tomorrow morning. No. <laughs> and by then you don't care anymore. You're like, oh. No, you don't. And like, I think the funniest ever was I, I took a huff one night because I knew I couldn't talk about it until the next morning. To which she turned around and said to me, oh, grow the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Tina. She says class. <laughs> yeah. She's a tough woman. And I mean that in the, in the nicest possible way. Um, She's, I've surrounded myself, I've been surrounded by tough women and strong women. I don't mean tough, strong is the word I'm looking for. By strong women all my life. My mother was strong. My three sisters are very strong. And I think I couldn't avoid but be with a strong woman. Um, and I've, I've, like, it's funny, I work with, I work very closely with, with, with women and I love it. And I find in this industry, I find there's a huge gap there's a huge um i'm not going to go strong and say chauvinist mm -hmm. but there's there, there's an element of it in this business there's very few female managers um and if there are they get very little soot as my mother would say um and i and get they get actually they don't get respected enough in my opinion um and i've seen that firsthand whereas i've i've stopped a meeting a meet i've stopped to meet uh, as soon as tina was disrespected in a meeting that meeting is over and that'll never happen again and i just can't i would never abide disrespect towards any any woman i think everyone is equal um my sisters are equal to me my wife is equal to me my i've a man my, my manager in australia is a female karen lee um real tough cookie um and we call her Mick Dundee because she's really she's really tough. Um, and uh, and I just find it I find solace been around that kind of and I just think I think women have a great way of separating the wheat from the chaff and and clearing the clearing the, the shite out of the water. I think they have a great a, a brilliant ability to do that, and they make you see very clearly, very quickly. And you know what? You're not just playing lip service to that because there are people now that'll jump on the bandwagon because, you know, obviously it's very on trend right now to talk about women and women's rights and stuff. But they won't have any women in there, as you say, like they're around them. Like they'll have I've no all, women around them. I've always had it. Um, and I, I will never, I, I don't jump on bandwagons and I'm not going to specifically go talk about what I know, you know, you know where I'm going with this. Hmm. And like, you know, as you said, it's on trend and you know, it's, I find social media an awful area for the bandwagon brigade that mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's, you know, they're, they're at the front of the, the lynch mob and they don't know what they're lynching. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Whereas I very much, and my mother taught me that for a long time. I stand back and say, just let this settle because, you know, there's all of a sudden... Um, it was like even with the Me Too, the Me Too movement, to a degree, it kind of, in my opinion, probably went too far, and that's probably a wrong thing for me to say, but it's just how I felt, and that you know, stand back and take stock before you start saying stuff, you know, um, I've, I've, and that's why I've always said, respect for women is crucial. 
respect, equality, and absolute, um, just absolute respect, just no, you know, and it's, but it's respect for everybody. It's not just women, it's, just, it's respect for everyone, be it male, female, transgender, whatever it might be. Um, you know, everyone, everyone has their own battle and everyone has been kicked in their own playground, you know, so you don't know what, you don't know where, the, what, what, what's, you don't know what the hell it's going through their mind when their front door closes, you know? Um, so just, it's easier to be kind and it's easier to, be respectful than to be difficult, to be disrespectful and to be unkind. It takes yeah. a lot more work to do the other. I think the disrespect thing is a very big thing that you'll find and you probably find it in the industry. As you said, you've stopped meetings when people are disrespecting Tina because they'll feel like they should only clamos you and they, it's like they forget the people in their minds who are not the star. They'll just only look at the star and not the people around them. And you're... It and that's that's not cool at all. Not cool. No, it was funny. One of the last I, one of the last times that happened was around September, and we were in a meeting, and um, Tina was kind of leading the meeting. And this guy, an old old school type thing, um, kept saying, "Now listen here to me, girl, girl." Mm. But then it moved from girl to um, love, dear. These were all the words that were really grating on me. Mm-hmm. And eventually she said, this isn't going to work, blah, 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 blah. This is the deal. We're not moving from that. So he said, well, how are we going to finish this meeting, Gerline? And I looked at him and I said, I'll tell you how we're going to finish this meeting. We're going to finish this meeting with goodbye and learn some respect. We're gone. Good man. And I just, it's not just because it was Tina, but if that was anybody, if that was you, you were in a meeting and somebody did that, I would see red. I would absolutely see red, you know, and, you know, like a, a friend of mine, oh, he's not a friend, he's an acquaintance from school, giving out about women playing rugby. And thought, what's wrong with that? You know, and it's like you're sitting there going, they probably played, those women on that team can play better than you can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I know. How does it affect your daily life? Like, I, what in your life is affected by that? That's what I'm always wondering. People who have like soundboard off about everything, I'm like, when you go home and you close your door, how does that affect you? It doesn't. That's the thing. And, you know, like I always say, um, somebody said to me, what's the best things in your life? The best things in my life are my family, my extended family and my two dogs. And my two dogs love you unconditionally. And that's when I look at that and I think, why can't humans be like that? And no matter what I've done, no matter where I've gone or how shit I feel, Teddy, my main little man, looks at me and goes, basically, you can see it in his eyes. What can I do? <laughs> oh, they're the best. I love dogs so much. And I loved, and that's, I would like, they'd sleep on the bed with us. Um, and it's funny, I wake up in the middle of the night and my, Teddy, my main man, is cuddled up beside me on his back like this. <laughs> and I just, I just put my arm out and I can feel him. And he licked my hand as much to say, all is good. And he'd go back to sleep. And it's, you know, and like, there's nothing like the emotion of loving a dog oh I know and anyone like I have two cockapoos who are downstairs and they're magically being quiet for some reason um but when they like when we were away on holidays like people who don't have dogs don't understand when you're like I miss them because as you said they come in in the morning they give you a kiss they say everything's okay humans don't do that they're like they grunt at you in the morning absolutely and like you know I um when I go in I'm working or I'm doing a tour in Australia it might be four or five weeks or whatever it might be and 
God, I miss them so much. I mean, and sometimes, and I hate to say this, sometimes more than family, because <laughs> it, because they spend more time with me than family. Because yeah. I, I get up in the morning, I go for a run on the beach. Teddy's with me. He runs six k with me every morning. He runs back with me. He gets into the jeep. He goes everywhere with me. Like we go into the local supermarket. When I say supermarket, it's not like a huge Duns. It's a small centra, yeah. and um. He walks into the supermarket, I'm doing whatever I do, and he makes his way down to the deli counter and the girls give him his piece of ham and he comes back up. <laughs> Teddy is living the dream. Living the dream and everyone knows him. Everyone knows Teddy. Um, and it was funny, I was last summer, I was running on the beach and I had a cap on me and sunglasses and the whole thing. And, and somebody goes up to a person near me and said, I know Tommy Fleming is nearby because I've seen his dog. <laughs> So I thought, oh God, Teddy, Teddy is now more famous than me. So Teddy, you're famous around the word, world, but in your town, Teddy is the main man. Oh, Teddy's the main Tommy. man, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and he's just the most beautiful, uh, loving little buck that could ever be. He's a cross of a Yorkie and something else. We rescued a Yorkie there a while back as well. And, um, and this is her. She's rescued. Oh, look at her little tongue out. She yeah. is gorgeous. Yeah. So we rescued her about three years ago from a really bad situation. Jodie is her name. And um, they, they go everywhere with us. The kind of We got the camper van the summer before last and we took off like travellers. And I mean that in a good sense. Um, and uh, the dogs would be with us. We were like, didn't shave for days. You know, the shower was the sea. Yeah, and I loved it. I loved it. There was no, you know, you were in a, you were in shorts and a t-shirt. You didn't give a hoot who seen you, um, and I loved all of that. I loved the, 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 the nature of it, the, the, the back to earth part of it. The, you know, cooking your breakfast on the barbecue outside. Oh, <laughs> the dream. Just no, no worries. No, like I have to be up yeah. at a certain time. No, like I have a meeting. Like, was it weird going back to? you know, when the pandemic started lifting and you got to start going back to recording and touring after having that freedom, was it a bit strange? Um, do you know what? I felt institutionalized. Um, I, I was so funny because I was, I was a complete paradox in that I was given out reams about why can't we work? We're forced to, to not be where, you know, we're t our jobs are taken from us. And I was like, I was at the top of the queue with the, with the placard and then when I was able to go back and work and I had to travel up to the north to do a show, I was like, oh, God, this is a pain in the arse. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you know, I, I was, wasn't happy no matter what I was doing. And um, it was just funny. Um, but I'm glad to be back. I'm really glad to be back. Um, been back on the stage, putting the show together, um, making the show work from beginning to end. So it's all fitting nicely into into each other. Um no, looking at the reaction of the crowd, the new trying out the new songs. The album is number eleven today in the main charts. Still, after oh, yeah. Released, yeah, after been released on the twenty eighth of October, uh, we're still number one in the indies. So I'm kind, you know, I thought my chart top and days were over. Um, not that that's the be all and end all, um, but it's nice. That's a nice kind of um, it's a nice it's a nice kind of icing on the cake. Yeah, and it's nice to come back after being away and go and I've been gone for two years and the new artists have come out, but still, there's still fans there who want it, who want to come yeah. see me, they want to listen to me. And there's still new there's, new, there's a load of new fans and it all happened 
through social media because I was never I never embraced social media. And when the when the lock the first lockdown happened, I by accident I started a thing called Jeep Tunes, and I drive a, a Range Rover Sport, and it's a bit battered at this stage. But anyway, I love my Range Rover. Um, so I'd be getting up in the morning, I go for my run, and there was it was the five kilometer limit that you could only go five kilometers. So Tina was cleaning out the office and I was cleaning out the office and we found a box of CDs with backing tracks on it. And she said, listen, play them and see if there's anything you don't have so you can digitize them and then put them in the recycling. So every day I was putting them into the Jeep and playing them. And next thing I started videoing me singing to the backing track in the, in the Jeep. Teddy's in the back coming up saying hello to the camera. And so I put, it, I put the first one up online on the 19th of March, 2020. And it got 750,000 views. Oh, my God. And I thought, OK. And my daughter texted me and said, you've just hit something here and you don't know what you've hit. And I said, I've no idea what I've just done. And she said, don't change it. Just keep going with it. Don't try and reinvent it. Just keep going with it. And she's very clever in that sense. So I did it every day. I found a track and I sang it every day and I told them what I was doing. I was going down to the beach. I was going for a run and I'd be in my running gear. And one day I videoed and I was in a wetsuit. <laughs> so there was no, you know, one day I had a beard. Another day I was clean shaven. You know, my hair was getting longer. In the end, I was tying it back. Um, and they were all saying, oh, you look really rough, Tommy. You need to tidy yourself up for the camera. And I'm going, no, I don't. No, I don't. I'm just, no one is, sees me, so except for on the camera, but they don't see me in person. Don't need to do so, it. So this is me. I'm just so. Um, and then all of a sudden, the, the views were like half a million, 750,000, 900,000 views, you know, and people were requesting songs. So I ended up doing this for 100 days, a song a day. And I did it for 100 days throughout the in the summer, checking in with people. And it's really funny um, the amount of people that come up to me now and say, you got me through that. Wasn't yeah. a fan before, uh, just the whole, how natural it was, you know, even the day I got stopped by the cops and I was still, I was still filming and I told them all to say hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, uh, I love it. And, and um, Shawnee was the, was the guard and Shawnee says, you know, you're speeding Tommy. And I said, now you tell half the half a million people that are looking at this, that you're going to do me. And he said, go on. <laughs> You know, so um, there was something really organic about it and yeah. and people liked it and it wasn't getting dressed up and getting into your studio and doing mm -hmm. it. There was none of that. It was just this is me sitting in the car with my two pooches that, you know, and these are my life because they're, they're, they're keeping me going. So I'm trying to keep you going and let's get through all this together. And that's what it was about. It's because you weren't trying to be cool. You weren't trying to start a trend. It just happened that, that these things happen instead of being in a slick green background, you know, with other celebrities singing or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. it. And, um, and I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, now, I hated the lockdowns. The first lockdown actually didn't bother me because I wasn't working anyway. And it was kind of all of a sudden, this was novel. This was very, this yes. is something really cool and different. We're all ma making banana bread and we were doing this and we were doing that. And I was out, I declared war on Moss in my garden and I won. <laughs> um, and but then the second lockdown really, uh, the second lockdown took the legs from under me, really did. And that was the first time in my life my mental health was challenged. Yeah, it's one of those times that, you know, everyone before talked about mental health in, in a kind of every in like other people have it. And then suddenly 
you know, you're at home and you're just staring at walls and going, oh my God, is this people, how people feel all the time because it's shit. And, and I, that, that actually, that scared me. And in the end, I, I used to have to go for, I'd have to go for two runs a day or, you know, and Tina would say to me, what's wrong? And I'd say, I, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. I can't, if you say hello to me, I'd start crying, um, you know, and, and then one night I was lying on the couch reading a book and um, Teddy just comes up, puts his head on my lap, looks up at me with these two really sad eyes as much as say, what can I do? And I thought, okay, I need to snap out of this. You know, I need to snap out of this and I need to snap out of it now. I've got my health. I just have, we have to weather this storm. That's the only thing we have to do. And how are you feeling now? Feeling good or are you still? I feel, do you know, I've always been the type of guy that's half full glass. And my dad used to always say, if you can't find the half full glass, then you need a fucking empty glass. You need a bit smaller glass. <laughs> and um, I, I, um, I'm feeling good. Um, I'm always uncertain. I've always had that of, I wonder what am I supposed to be doing today? Or I've always got that thing in my mind that I'm not busy enough. Um, I can't sit still. Um, you know, I'm always looking at the clock. I'm always going, maybe I should send a few emails. Maybe like, you know, I feel guilty if I'm in a hotel room watching a film while Tina's working at home. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that kind of, that's, but that's just, that's Irish guilt, isn't it? Yeah, that is. And it's, it's been in this industry, you're meant to believe that if you don't, if you're working 22 hours, you're actually amazing as opposed to like actually having some sleep and some good food yeah, yeah, yeah. and relaxing because yeah. that is very important. You know, like I got up this morning and I went for a run in Ivy Gardens, came back, you know, and I'm, I went into the restaurant to have breakfast and John, the manager, I know very, very well, said, um, are you having a fry? Are you having this? And I said, no, 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 fruit. You know, I'm trying to do the next thing. I could smell the sausages and I'm thinking, oh, I'm like Homer Simpson. <laughs> But I, I resisted. Um, and, you know, I just, you kind of just have to, you have to put you number one. Yeah. If that makes sense. It definitely. I, I just want to say thank you so much for so much time and for being so honest and so sound as well. Not at all. Thanks a million. Dublin gig is the third. Thanks for your time. You Thanks too. a million. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. A huge thanks there to Tommy Fleming for giving up so much of his time and chatting to me here for the podcast. We had great crack and uh, such a lovely man. And if you were not a fan before, maybe you are a fan now after listening to him. I would definitely recommend you go and pick up his new album, All These Years, which is the 30th anniversary version there of songs he's had throughout his career. And he is on tour. So let me give you some of those dates. I think he's in Limerick tonight. Um, there's going to be Harvey's Point in Donegal. That's the 24th of March. Um, he's going to be in the Board Gosh next week on the 13th of March. Uh, Drought at the day before. Carlo on the 18th of March, but there's only a couple of tickets left for that one. Um, if you're in Carlo Loka, he is in Kilkenny on the 19th, so you can maybe head to that. Uh, Tyrone, Cork Opera House, The Glore in Ennis. Uh, St. Paul's Parish Church in Waterford. So there's loads of dates there. You can go and see him. So check out his website for that. As always, I'll be back next week. But if you did enjoy this week's episode, last week's episode, any before, please do go on and leave a rating on Spotify or on um, iTunes. It means a lot. Um, as I've mentioned probably before here on this, it's all me that does all the work here. There's no big team and there's no um, nobody here marketing me or selling me except for myself. So if you could share, if you could rate, if you could write a review, anything like that, any of those are such a massive deal. Um, do send me a little message if you enjoyed an episode because I'd love to hear from you. You'll find me on 
Instagram and on Twitter. So it's well tis yourself on Twitter and it's just tis yourself on Instagram where you can find me, Nicola Barden and all of the above. Go and look after yourselves. Have a great weekend and I will chat to you again this time next week. No. 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 That's done. No. Good luck. Slauncher.